Good morning. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. That song always gets me pumped up. So glad to see you guys, every single one of you. I just want you to know, if it's your first time here or you're, you've been here every single time since the beginning, we have a motto. Those of you who know it, help me out here. No matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. Guess what happened this week? Recreate had a birthday. Four years old. Four years old. Now, it's kind of like, um, you know, the, the four-year-olds who are living today, like their first year, they went to pre-K during a pandemic, you know, Recreate sort of has that, that challenge too. You know, a couple of years ago, when right before the pandemic hit, we were, we were busting at the seams, setting out chairs every single week. You know what I think it's time for? I think it's time for a comeback. What do you think? Is it time for a comeback? It's time. It's time for the bounce back. So I'm excited about that. In the meantime, I get to, to preach about turning obstacles into opportunities. If you want to pull that up, please, young lady. Obstacles into opportunities. We've been going through the story of Joseph in the Bible. And we left our boy Joseph in a precarious situation last week. He has been captured by his brothers. He has been stripped, thrown in a hole, and sold. Now, Joseph had some big promises. God had promised that he would rise to a position of leadership over his family, but his family just threw him in a hole and sold him out. It looks like the dream has been crushed, destroyed. It looks like the promises have gone away. It looks like everything that God has promised him has been ruined. And that's sad, but maybe you're thinking, okay, that's, that's too bad for Joseph, but why, why should we care? Let me tell you why you should care. Because you've got dreams too, don't you? You've got goals, you've got aspirations, you've got things you're hoping for. And life has a way of messing that up. Life is a big old bully that likes to kick over sandcastles. And it can make us want to give up. What are we going to do when it seems God has given us something to do? Or God has given us a dream. We have dreams, we have goals, we have aspirations, we have good things that we want to see happen. And yet... Something is stopping it. It looks like it's over. What do we do then? I'm going to tell you what. Joseph's story is going to tell us that the obstacle that seems to be stopping God's plan for our lives might be the opportunity for us to be better prepared for what is to come. The the struggles that seem to have killed our dreams might be part of the fulfillment of those dreams. It certainly was in the case of Joseph. If you think if you think God has got something for you, he's got a future for you, and he does. Do you believe that? You believe that God's got plans for you? Yes, absolutely. But what we need to see is these obstacles that seem like they're stopping us might be what God is going to use to give us a leap forward. So, we're in Genesis chapter 39, the first 6 verses, Genesis 39. I'm going to read just the first one. I'm going to stop for a second. And I'm going to pray for us. Goes like this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this 
is your time. I pray you'll speak to us powerfully through your word, that you'll move in our midst. Lord, we do not want to be a church that can be explained by cleverness or anything human. We, we don't want to be the church that, that everything that we produce is a product simply of our own ingenuity or effort. We want to be the church where you do things that cannot be explained apart from you. So I pray you'll work in our hearts now. Work in my heart. I need this message too. Speak it into us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So just uh, a few days before this, Joseph has a pretty easy life. He is the favorite kid in a prosperous family. Looks like he's got a bright future ahead of him. Looks like he's just going to rise to the top and, and uh, have everything handed to him. But now all of that seems to have crashed down. He, he seemed to be going in the right direction. And then the rug gets pulled out from under him. We can relate to that, can't we? Maybe not the having everything handed to you part, but the rug part, we know. Say, man, preacher, we didn't even have a rug where I was from. The whole ground got pulled out from under me. Yeah. We don't like that. Our brains are wired to desire predictability. We like to know what's coming. We look for patterns and unconsciously seek patterns, even if... Uh, even if Maybe they're not the best patterns for us. I think we could probably all cope, uh, admit to having some coping mechanisms that aren't the best. I mean, when you get stressed out, what do you reach for? Um, I'm going to tell you what I reach for is some KFC if it's close. Anybody else? Some KFC. You know what? I ain't never been stressed out while I was eating a chicken thigh. I really haven't. Uh, after, yes, before, yes, but not during. And that's not good. But a lot of the things we reach for really are not good for us. Uh, I mean, most of, of uh, the addictions that people deal with are something they reach for when they're stressed. Why? They know it's bad. I know it's bad. I, the things I reach for, I know it's bad. But it's familiar. Ah, it's familiar. So we find ourselves seeking, craving, even... Um, trying to recreate patterns that we are familiar with even when they're unhealthy. Maybe the most obvious one besides you know, a substance issue is, is the patterns that we seek in relationships. We seek these patterns maybe uh, unconsciously that we're familiar with even if they're unhealthy. My best friend growing up, he... Uh, to, to put it generously, he grew up in an environment that was very chaotic. He grew up rough. He grew up hard. And I must have heard him say a thousand times how he did not want to grow up and be like his family was. And then I got to watch as my best buddy, who I love like a brother, we get out of school and he follows the same pattern again and again and again. We've been out of school a long time now, and he's still there. And a man, I'm like, I pray for him every time I think of him because he's, I'm, it's what he knew. It's what he knew. That's what we do. We find something we know, even if it's killing us. So let's just be real. 
the pattern needs to be disrupted sometimes. Joseph's pattern wasn't a destructive pattern. He had a pretty good situation. But the pattern that he was in was not going to take him where God wanted to take him. And that's a fact about us too. The predictable patterns of our lives, even some of the ones that are maybe easy or good or not necessarily hurting us, aren't the ones that God is going to use to take us to the next level. Listen to this, listen to this. The biggest dreams of God for you, His best plans for your life are probably going to disrupt your status quo. God's plans are probably going to mess up your plans. And that's okay. Because our plans, even the best plans we can come up with, are only the plans of a human being who cannot see all ends. But God can see everything. The end from the beginning. So, have your plans been messed up a little bit? Mine's been messed up a little bit lately. I tore the oil pan out of a car yesterday. So, uh, yeah, that messed up some of my plans. Yeah. We, we did the fun part first. We were coming back from doing something fun. Okay. And, and jumping my car off a cliff was not a fun thing. That, that's not, that did not happen. You know? the, the, the things that mess up our plans are sometimes exactly what we need to happen. Joseph, though, from a human perspective, it looks like he's got a terrible demotion here. He goes from being the favorite kid in a pretty well-off family to being a slave, and that's a problem, but God is going to use it, what looks like a dead end, to be the way forward. Verse 2 and verse 3, we'll hit that next. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. Hold on, he's a slave. How can he be successful? Well, because the Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. The first phrase of verse 2, if you go back to verse 2, that is everything. That is the center of all of this. The Lord was with him. That's the contrast. That's the difference maker. What about Joseph and his brothers? His, jo- his brothers, they're not in slavery. They went home and they slept in their own beds. I don't know how much it bothered their conscience. Apparently not enough to ever confess it, what they did to their little brother. They let their dad believe that he was killed by a wild animal. They're sleeping in their own beds. They're in their own houses with their own families. Joseph is the one sold into slavery, except that he's the one that's free because the Lord is with him. He's free in his spirit. The brothers are enslaved in their spirits because they're living with this lie. They're, li- they're living with the guilty secrets. From the outside, it does not look like the Lord is with Joseph. He doesn't look so prosperous. He doesn't look like his life is headed, where, headed anywhere good. So, so we ask the question, if God was with Joseph, why isn't his life easier right now? If God was with Joseph, why didn't God spare him from the wickedness of his brothers? If God was with Joseph, why didn't God send somebody to rescue him while he was being carted off to Egypt? The fact, here's the truth. If God is with him, why is he going through these difficulties? Listen to this. We assume the proof of God being with us is our lives being easy. Hmm. That's what we assume. But that's not true. 
The road to where God wants to take you might just lead through a valley. You don't get to the mountaintop without going through the valley. I know it sounds counterintuitive. I know, I know, I know. Hey, I've been a preacher for like 20. Somebody asked me yesterday, the tow truck driver, <laughs> the tow truck driver said, how long have you been preaching? I said, um, 22 years. And he just kind of looked at me like, 22 years? <laughs> um, and I said, yeah, 22 years. And it's not been easy, but I've got to see some things. I've got to see some lives changed. I've got to see some families saved. I, I mean, saved, like, yes, saved and going to heaven saved, but also saved from falling apart. And that's a pretty big deal, you know. That's huge. I got to see some stuff that I would not have otherwise seen. I know it sounds like if God is with you, it ought to be easy, but that's just not how it works. It's so funny. We understand that gardens need rain in order to grow. But we don't always understand that the storm that's dumping rain on us right now might be what we need in order to grow. That might be the very thing we need. The Lord is blessing Joseph in the middle of his bad situation. Why do we doubt that he can do it for us? God's going to take him through Potiphar's house to get to Pharaoh's house. That will happen. You ever heard the phrase, bloom where you're planted? Man, that looks good on a mug, on a t-shirt. Bloom where you're planted. My wife loves those artsy things that you hang on the wall that has words in fancy loopy letters. It's good that she's in charge of decorating because I, it would look like, a, like an army barracks if I was in charge of decorating. It would not look very attractive. But she's, she doesn't have one that says bloom where you're planted. It says lots of other things. But that phrase bloom where you're planted, I know I'm supposed to like that phrase. I don't like that phrase. Because, <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of those. Uh, um, I don't like that phrase. I know I should like it, but I don't like it because bloom where you're planted implies, hey, buddy, you got, you, you got to put on your big boy pants and figure out how to make this work where you're at right now with the problems you got right now. But deep in our heart, we don't want to figure out how to bloom in the midst of our problems. We want God to make our problems go away and then put us somewhere that is easier to bloom. <laughs> We assume the situation is the problem. We don't know that it might be us who's got to change. It might not be where we're planted. It might be us. At my mom's house, she's got a lot of potted plants. She's got a green thumb. I don't have a green thumb. I'm not the one who takes care of all these plants in here, and it's a good thing. Mom's got a plant in her house that for years didn't bloom. Is it called the Jerusalem Star? The weird, Scott got a weird, very beautiful, unique flower. And it was years before this crazy thing bloomed. It was just leaves. And it finally started blooming, and she explained why. She said they only bloom when they're root bound. What does that mean? It means that flower only blooms when it has filled up the container it is in until it's uncomfortable. Maybe that's our deal, too. That we're not going to bloom until we fill up that spot that we're in. Until it gets a little uncomfortable. It takes a little discomfort in order to bloom. Uh, you see, Joseph was in a bad situation. He had never been stretched before. He had never been put in a tight spot before. He didn't know what it was like to suffer and go through things. So he didn't know what he was capable of. He didn't know how to bloom. He didn't have to bloom. He only bloomed after he got put in the small little place 
and he filled that up and it got uncomfortable and he grew to fill that and then he bloomed. So here, here what I'm saying. I'm not saying that anybody needs to say that like a bad or a dangerous and abusive situation. No, 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 that's not the way to bloom. I'm saying this though, the situation that you think is stopping you from blooming might be the thing that's going to make you bloom. Grow to fill the space God has put you in. Verse 4. So Joseph found favor in his sight. That is in Potiphar's sight, his, his master, his owner. I mean, let's just call it like it is. He's owned right now. Then Potiphar made him overseer of his house, and all that he had was put under his authority. Now, hey, do you remember the promise that God gave Joseph? What was the promise that he was going to rise to a position of leadership? Has he ever been a leader before now? He never has been. In the house he grew up in, were they ever going to let him be the leader? Were his big brothers ever going to let him be the leader? No. As soon as he started talking about it, what did they do? They threw him in a hole and faked his death. You know, I've realized that you have some siblings and you've thought about throwing them a hole in a hole. I understand. I understand. I have a little brother, a little sister. I get it. I get it. They are alive and well. I've done nothing lasting to harm them in a long time. Um, yeah, whatever trauma they tell you about, that was, I don't think that really happened. Well, some of it did. Anyway, any other, anybody else with little siblings in here? You get what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? Okay, I see some people nodding. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're the worst. You guys are the worst. Little siblings are the worst. I'm just kidding. Please don't hurt me. I'm, I'm probably outnumbered here. Okay. I know where the back door is. Y'all don't know where the back door is. Anyway, can I stop rambling now and get back to the Word of God? Would that be all right with y'all folks? All right. Yes, thank you. Woo. Okay, I'm sweating up here. I'm sweating. I get people giving me the stink eye. I need to, I need to get on. Here's a fact, though. Joseph has never been a leader before, and he was never going to get the chance to be the leader where he was. And yet God wants to turn him into a leader. So what's God got to do? God's got to get him out of the place where he was. And unfortunately for him, put him in a place that's very uncomfortable. The Lord took Joseph out of a situation that was undoubtedly easier, but it was not better. We mess up when we assume that easier equals better. Mm-mm-mm. But I like easier. I like it easy. Fast food is easy, but it ain't better. Easy don't mean better. Comfortable situations rarely create growth. God is going to teach Joseph to be a leader. And how does God do it? By making him a servant. By making him a slave. It was in that discomfort that Joseph grew in character. His difficulties created opportunities for growth. He could never fulfill his greatest calling without it. He was plucked out of a family where he was always being served. And he was put in a position where he was a servant. And that's how he learned to be a leader. That sounds almost like something someone else said later on in the New Testament. What did Jesus say? If you want to be great in his kingdom, if you want to be a leader in his kingdom, you need to be a servant. No wonder the world doesn't understand what Jesus' people are about. Because it seems so backwards. In the world, power seems to be the thing when you're able to boss, you get when you're able to boss people around. But in God's economy, power is when you serve so sincerely that people cannot ignore it. That's power in God's kingdom. So here is a question for you and for me in light of what we're learning about Joseph. 
what opportunities for growth are being created by our obstacles. You got any obstacles? Think about your biggest challenges right now, and don't look at the person who rode with you, just in case it's them. See, y'all are even afraid to laugh at that. So I understand, hey, I don't know what's going on in your life, but the Lord does. <laughs> Sometimes our biggest challenges have a, have a name and a social security number and uh, share an address with us. I, get, I understand that. I get that. My wife comes to the evening service, so I can say this kind of thing. In the morning service, uh, I could be much braver here. Okay, I get it. No, seriously, though, think about, think about, the greatest things you're facing right now, the, the odds that you're facing. Right now, in the present, everything seems difficult for everybody. But let's do get specific here. Where's the drama at in your life? You got some family drama, work drama, bank account drama. Maybe... You're praying for some opportunities that haven't happened. Maybe you got some important relationships in your life that aren't what they should be. Or maybe you're fighting to make ends meet or fighting to uh, get through an addiction or whatever it may be. These things are difficult. We're not going to pull any punches. It's hard, man. I, I, I don't want you to think that the, the way to have a happy life in Christ is to act like nothing ever goes wrong. That We're not told to do that you ever read the book of psalms david doesn't sit around saying well my life is hard but i'm trying to put a good face on it no he says lord you remember i'm down here that's a paraphrase that's in the michael version um it's not in the kjv but uh he just basically said you you remember you remember i'm down here we we could use all sorts of uh, colorful descriptions of our trials and our troubles <laughs> we could Let, let's get real sometimes we even Get a little angry at God. Can you confess that? I can confess that. I've had moments where I'm like, God, I really don't get it. And I believe what you said about loving me, but I don't feel it right now. Now it's time to stop and consider. Maybe instead of just being salty about it, we can see what God is doing through it. How are these obstacles stretching us? Stretching is where the growth is. What could we be learning right now? How could we be growing if we stopped seeing obstacles as being able to stop us and start seeing them as opportunities? All right, here's a big one. We're going to start again. Don't look. Don't make eye contact. If you have someone in your life who is difficult to love, that's hard. But you know what it does? You can flip that over. If someone is being difficult to love, it is an opportunity to learn unconditional love. What kind of love did Jesus teach us? Unconditional love. Some people are easy to love. You don't have to worry about unconditional love because they're always going to meet your conditions. Then other people don't meet your conditions, and you're still called to love them. Another big one. You ever been hurt? Ever been betrayed? Ever had a knife stuck in you? That is painful. We're not going to diminish or deny that pain. We're not going to act like it didn't happen. Don't, don't act like it didn't happen. But do leverage it. 
do make it count for something. Jesus is the Redeemer of our pain. And in those painful situations, that's where we learn the forgiveness that sets us free. It's easy to call yourself a forgiving person, but you never really know until you got something to forgive. I didn't learn that until several years ago. You know, I'd, I'd always thought I was forgiving, but then some things happened that were hard to forgive, and I had to learn all over again. Is your faith being tested right now? You ever have your faith tested? You ever going through the, through the fire? The Word of God repeatedly refers to our trials as refining our faith, not destroying it. Listen to this. Going through the fire does not burn up faith. It burns up stuff we thought was faith, but wasn't. Mm. I have found that very often we overestimate our faith when things are easy. It's real easy to say you believe in God when it's a good day and the sun is shining. But what about when it's a terrible day? What about when things are falling apart? Do you trust God then? Mm. Real quiet in here right now. Real quiet, and that's good. It's the hard times that teach us what our faith really looks like and how much more we need to grow. Ever know what it's like to struggle to make ends meet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. When, when you're not really keeping your financial head above the water, yeah, I mean, we know that. Hey, we know money does not buy happiness. But it buys Dr. Pepper. And that's close, right? <laughs> money does not buy happiness. But doggone if it isn't hard to be happy when your bills ain't paid. Can I get a witness? Yeah, we get it. The Lord didn't say money was evil. He said the love of money is evil. You know, it's the root of all evil. So we, hey, we get that. We get that. God understands. You know, uh, here's the good news, though. If you know what hard times are like, it also is the opportunity to realign your financial priorities and, and change them for the better so that next time when things get a little easier, maybe they'll stay easier. You know, that, that is, I told you about my car stuff. It's been one of those weeks. You ever have one of those weeks? I thought, uh, I've been having that Keith Stevenson car luck. Me and him were talking. He's one of my best buddies. And, and uh, every time I was there for like a year, every time I see him, it would be a different car because the last one died on him. It was rough. I don't normally have that kind of luck. I've had like two cars die in the last two weeks. So uh, my wife says, you can't leave these cars here. We cannot have a car graveyard. And she's right. I understand it. But it's, this is Carroll County, Virginia. Y'all will fit right in. Non-running car. I don't even have any appliances on the porch. And we got rid of those a while back. Now, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Chill out. Now, some of y'all got some appliances on the porch. I don't mean no, I don't mean no harm by that. That's, we had one for a while. We had a couch that stayed on our porch for a while. Let me tell you, don't do that. You'll regret that. It was gross. It was super gross. Don't do that. That didn't stay there too long, but it's, uh, and it's not a covered porch, by the way. It's a deck. Anyway, anyway, 
going on. Here's the facts. Here's the facts. Don't be so quick to discount what you're learning in the middle of difficulty. Most of the time, you do the most growing in a place you never wanted to be. Joseph set the example of of the obstacle becoming an opportunity. If God can use servitude to bring out the leader in Joseph, He can use whatever you're going through to bring out the best in you. He can do it. Verse 5, let's do verse 5 and verse 6 here. So it was, or first half of verse 6 really. So it was from the time that he had made him an overseer in his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all in Joseph's hand and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. And uh, the next part of that verse we'll get to next week. So Potiphar made Joseph the overseer of his household. What does that mean? He mean it means he was the, the manager, kind of the CEO of the estate of Potiphar, who was a well-off individual. He was a high official, the captain of the guard. Like I guess that means the king's bodyguard, the best I can tell from my research. So he was an important, powerful guy. So Joseph goes from slave to CEO. That's a pretty good trajectory, isn't it? Potiphar turned over the power to him, and the only thing Potiphar was worrying about was, what's for supper? That's all he's worried about. Do you think if Joseph had not given his best when he was a slave, he would have got to be a CEO? I kind of doubt it. That line, God helps those who help themselves, that's not in the Bible. Aren't you glad God helps us when we cannot help ourselves? You ever got stuck in a spot you could not get out of on your own? Absolutely. I'm so thankful God does not just help people who help themselves because when it comes right down to it, we are helpless. But here is, here's what is in the Bible. God asks us to be faithful with what we've been given and where we're at right now. And he says, those who have proven themselves faithful with a little can be trusted with more. I'm not giving you any guarantees that you're going to be a CEO in the future. I don't know. But I can say this. Be faithful with what you got and where you're at. Joseph was yanked from his family and he had to, be, he had to start all over again. Instead of giving up, he turned the obstacle into an opportunity. He learned a skill set that he was going to need. Now, Here's a little secret, a little spoiler alert, okay, in case you haven't read ahead. Joseph is not going to stay the CEO of Potiphar's house. He's going to eventually become the CEO of Pharaoh's house. He's going to be the prime minister of Egypt, which at the time would have made him one of the most powerful people on the planet. This was during a high part of the Egyptian empire. He was a big deal at this time. How's he going to learn to do that? How's a, how's a farm kid learn to do that? God put him in Potiphar's house. And that's where he learned to be a leader. Potiphar would have had a, he was a high official. Joseph in Potiphar's house would have learned the nuances of Egyptian politics and all that. He would have learned how to be a leader on a national level, on an, empire, on an empire level. He would have learned that there. Joseph grew up watching other people work. He didn't have any 
hardships at home. He was the, he was the spoiled favorite kid. He had never been forced into a position where he had to grow in character. It's only after God derailed his life that God's plan was really on track. Joseph made the most of those opportunities, and God gave him greater opportunities. The culture around us cannot see the beauty of process. You know what I'm saying? The culture says you're supposed to be successful right away. You, you, do, you do a TikTok video. Some of y'all don't know what TikTok is. Don't bother to find out. I'm just, don't worry about it. All right. You make a TikTok video and you go viral. And it's like these teenage kids who become famous and, and somehow make money off of that. I don't know how that works. But become rich and famous or notorious with the least effort possible. And as a culture, we are growing more and more allergic to the idea of having to grind for it. Older generations had to grind for it. My grandparents had to grind for it. Their parents had to grind. My parents had to grind for it. My generation and kind of like everybody coming after is like, we don't want to grind for it. They, they don't. Oh, my gosh. Forgive me, Lord, in advance. People don't want to work for it, but they will twerk for it. You know what I'm saying? Sorry, Lord. Woo! What does the Larry Cable guy say? Lord bless the pygmies. I'm so sorry. Um, that's bad. It's, but it's for real, though. People don't want to get a job. They want to dance and for like six seconds and put it on the internet, and that's, that's their plan for the future. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. Isn't it funny? In our culture, we never have the time or the energy to, do, to take the long road that gets where we're going, but we always have the time and the energy to take another dead-end shortcut every single time. Every single time. Instant success is promoted as the normal. I worry about my kids. My kids are growing up in a world where they're told every day that there should be no price to pay and there should be instant success. And, and if, you, if, you don't, if you're not an influencer or whatever, by the time you're like 25, you're, you are a failure. But instant early success is almost impossible. For every TikTok star, there's 10 million wannabes that are just spinning their wheels. Everybody wants that Joseph life when he was a CEO. Nobody wants that Joseph life when he was a slave. I get it. I get it. But here's the truth about Joseph. He could not have been a CEO without grinding it out as a servant for all that time. In this story, it, it's going to sound like Joseph was in Potiphar's house for like a little while, like six months, and then he's running the show, and then, then he gets promoted. It's going to sound like it happened really, really quick. But how fast was it really? All right, how, how long do you think Joseph was a servant in Potiphar's house before he got his promotion? One year? Two years? Three years? Four? Five? Five years? Six years? Seven? Eight? Nine? Ten? If you compare the Scriptures... We find out he was grinding it out for 11 years. 11 years. 11 years he was a servant. And then he went to jail for two years. And then he became the CEO of Egypt. All of that happened first. It wasn't instant. It wasn't easy. It wasn't quick. But that whole time, 
He was leveraging what seemed to be an obstacle and turning it into an opportunity for 11 years. Now, right now, I don't know. I don't know how long you're going to be in the situation you're in right now. If there's something going on that you don't feel good about, you don't like it, it might be 11 years. I don't know. I don't know. It might be 11 days. It might be fixed before you get out of here, but probably not. This much I do know. The obstacles that are in your life right now are not accidental. Even if they're in your life because you made some bad choices, God saw them coming, and he's got a plan for them. And he can use them right now. He can turn them into opportunities. And it's up to you, though, to choose to look at them that way. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You just imagine in the palm of your hand right now is the problem. You can, you can literally hold your hand out if you want to be cool like me, or you can be a nerd and just sit there. Okay. Cool guys. Me and David, we're cool guys. All right. No, I'm, just, I'm messing with you. I'm messing, please. Come on. Just imagine we're going to lift that up to God and say, God, this is my obstacle, and I don't see how it's an opportunity, but you do. We're going to give it to him. Heavenly Father, I'm raising up my obstacle to you, and I'm going to raise it up in behalf of all these folks here that you would work mightily and turn it into an opportunity. I pray that you will grow us through the struggle, that you'll grow us closer to you, that you'll grow us more like Jesus and more ready for what you're going to send to us next. We give you the glory, Lord. We give you the glory. And Lord, I, I want to pray for those sirens going by wherever they're going. We pray for the first responders. We pray for the folks who are going to help, that your hand will be on them. Lord, I pray for Recreate Church. We've been through some obstacles. We've been through a pandemic, but it's time for the comeback. For your glory, we give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy birthday, Recreate Church. Four years old. Almost time to go to school. We got a lot to do in the future. God bless you guys for being a part of what we do. Uh, to give you a heads up, next week is, uh, is the 31st of October. We won't be having an evening service, but that's not necessarily because it's Halloween. There's a wedding here. Um, we're having a wedding here at that time, so uh, give you a heads up on that. God bless you guys. Keep on fighting a good fight, and let's be for each other. Let's start some music, and you are dismissed. I know.